Hey, hey, this is John Goldman, and you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. I have here today Brian Barber, a good friend of mine, an outstanding musician, uh, a technician in all different ways, and look forward to getting to talk with him. In the meantime, Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Karis Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Karis Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Karis and Cottages with a K. Brian, Brian Barber, welcome to the show. By the way, that has got to be the coolest guitar I've ever seen. You basically have a, a, a like an electric guitar, but it has no body. It actually just has like a frame, like shaping where the body would be, and then it's just it, there's nothing in it. It's uh, uh, doesn't doesn't have any substance to the the body itself. So it's just basically one long um, uh, arm thing or whatever you call it. So that, the, that is actually the neck. It's one long neck, essentially, with like a, a ring where the body would go. Very cool. Where do you get that? Uh, any guitar store. This is a Yamaha silent acoustic. Um, it sounds like a regular acoustic. You actually have reverb built into it and everything. Um, some jazz players use it. Uh, a few out there have used it. Um, but uh, I, it, it suits me. It, it's <laughs> such a cool looking thing. I mean, it. It uh, doesn't look like any guitar I've ever seen. I I don't know. I've never seen one of those. I, certainly not on stage anywhere, you know. Like, uh, but oh, and I see that the, all the dials and stuff are like within the frame, like that. Yeah, they're right on top there. You have a tuner built in. And you've got the volume, bass treble, and also uh, of course adjustments for. Uh, it can get like a real body of a guitar sound to it. So you got like the acoustic wood tone. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and then you can split that between more of like a, uh, a nylon string sound. So. Do, you want, do you want to play it? Start out and play uh, a little something? I, yeah. Uh, here, let's see. Got to make one more preparation. Give me one second. Okay, sure. And, and while you're doing that, um, Brian and I have known each other for years. And I always knew you were a musician. But, you know, now I know that you are a musician who likes to compose and create uh, without other people around. You know, you'd rather not play live. Kind of like, you know, the early Steely Dan. I don't think they ever played anywhere. They just um, recorded these awesome albums and put all that effort into it. And that's kind of your thing. You know, like you're a production it is. person. It is. Uh, I do some live performances once in a while. And you're going to hear one today. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I am more comfortable in the studio because you can you can record something, you can stop it, and go back and refine it. Right. Uh, but with the live situation, you just don't have that. Yeah. And you're kind of of a, a perfectionist when it comes to it, and so sometimes you know you'll start going, and then you'll uh, you know want to stop, and you know. But every other musician just blows through it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, if if you want to do the song now, we can uh, start off with a song called Life. And uh, I wrote this about three and a half years ago. It made it in the studio for kind of kind of got broke ground with it in the studio, but never recorded anything yet. And I dug this out and dusted it off today. So cool. All right. Well, I'm going to turn off my mic so there's no okay. uh, bleeding going on. Here you go. All right. Brian Barber. sky that night Your eyes look deep into mine Grabbed my hand and pulled me away It felt so right in every way candle next to the bed all these emotions 
nations inside our heads You took my arms and we floated away And I will treasure this even as it fades As in life all things must end I'm so glad that we could still be friends So beautiful in so many ways But sometimes life just gets in the way Thank you. All right, thanks. That was great. I, I don't think I've ever heard that one before. That was really awesome. When did you write that one? I wrote it uh, actually about four years ago, and then I played it the night after. I wrote it at the Acorn Theater open mic night. Oh yeah. Uh, and like after that, I just didn't really get back to, to messing with it again. Yeah. The, uh, and how you've written a bunch of other songs too, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've got uh, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 songs that I've written over the years. Oh wow. And some of them uh, are worth working on still. I mean, pulling out of the out of the archive, and some of them are just going to sit there because <laughs> maybe it's not modern enough for today, or, or you know, for some reason or another, it may not work out for. Yeah. So, what? Uh, when did you first, you know, learn how to play guitar and uh, start playing your own music? I started when I was thirteen. Uh, my parents were um, really, really nice people. I mean, they just. Uh, they supported me in everything, but probably music at first. Uh, they didn't really see the 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 need for for music or, or in my life. They, they wanted uh-huh. to, be, to get a career and, and something that they thought was going going to work out uh, to be professional. But you know, because it's 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 really when you get into music, it's, it's a tough game to get into. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. You got to really so mom, put everything into it. My mm-hmm. mom kind of gave me more support. Uh, she was the one that actually went out and bought the heavy metal T-shirts, and, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, so I could go to school and, and fit in with my buddies. Um, so I started writing music when I was thirteen. Uh, some of it was metal, some of it was just kind of my own little thing. Uh, well, this wasn't metal, obviously. This no, was this more... wasn't metal. <laughs> yeah. So you've transitioned from that. So when you were thirteen, what kind of bands did you like to listen to? I listened to like Iron Maiden, Exodus, uh, Anthrax, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that that was uh, just part of it. I also listened to the music from the '70s, uh, like Led Zeppelin, uh, Boston. I mean, like just all the greats right. from the '70s. I had my dad's old records he gave me uh, that had influenced me. Uh, so that was really awesome to have that. Yeah. Did you um, uh, when you first started playing, were you taking lessons or you just kind of, you know, fiddled around and knew it figured out for yourself? How did you learn how to play? I did try lessons for a short period of time and I found out that I just don't learn that way. Uh, I, I can't really read music. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I've tried many different ways and it, it's, it's all by ear. That's how I learn my music. I just listen to something or I get a melody in my head and then I, I produce it on the guitar and that's that's kind of how I've always done it. So you did at some point figure out, you know, if you want to make a particular sound, this is how you need to be able to do it. Yes, yes. It's almost, uh, it's all in my head before I even put it on the guitar. Uh-huh. It's almost like an orchestration. Uh, but I don't know if you know, but I, I am dyslexic, and it's very difficult to... Uh, take that from my mind and put it to the, to the instrument. So, right. Uh, so you just have to remember all this gotta stuff. Just got to do it over and over again. And uh, as I'm getting older, I'm finding I've got to write things down. Even. <laughs> yeah. I think we talked about that the other night. Memory is not there, but, uh, um, your, uh, 
you know, your ability to, uh, um, uh, like create or, or, um, what was, what were we saying? Like, uh, the, the ability to actually process it right. is maybe better, but the recollections are, it makes it harder to remember things. So you have to write it down so you don't forget them. I've been very thankful that as I've gotten older, I've uh, been able to still create. And I think that's the hardest thing as you get into your 40s and your 50s, uh-huh. that it's, it gets harder for artists to create. They may have a, a, a tough time of coming up with new things. And I think uh, my, my, I'm kind of the opposite. It's like a waterfall of stuff when it comes, and I have to kind of yeah. slow it down. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, to sort everything out and make it, make it sound decent. Yeah. yeah. Well, we spend all our lives, you know, sort of creating patterns in our mind, in our way of living, so that uh, so that things become easier to do. Yes. You know, you become better at things because you've done it before and you just know you can go down that path. Like kind of having a, a prejudice or a bias, you, you just, you don't have to process that anymore. It's, it's already an assumed and so you just keep moving forward. But... Uh, but to be creative, you got to look at everything as though you've never seen it before. You've got to be outside the box all the time, John. Yeah. And as you know, I'm, I'm a person that's outside the box all the time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> my, my neighbors probably think the same thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, do any recording when you first started learning music? Or when did, when did, did. you start doing that kind of stuff? When I first started to play guitar, I, I, I got a, a Gorilla amp. It was like maybe like... I don't know, 10 inches by 10 inches in size yeah. uh, with a little bit of speaker in it. And um, I'm trying to think, it was a harmony guitar. And I thought I was, I was the stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can rock and roll now, but it was a long, it was a long trip from there uh, to get where, you know, yeah. to get where I am in life today. Were you ever in a band in high school or uh, I was in not. your teens? No, it's, uh, I was kind of reclusive and I had a certain group of people I hung out with, friendly with everybody, but, you know, picked on by many too because they don't understand back then sure, they, yeah. why you're different, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, in terms of uh, your development as a musician, were you um, playing with other people or you just kind of... Uh, did it all on your own and and uh, sat and created and and um, you know kind of figured out guitar playing and stuff. At, uh, fir- at first, I started off learning a little bit of keyboard. Um, oh, okay. And like trying to work out stuff on the keyboard how I wanted to do it. And, and back then it was a Casio. You could add a drum beat in. You know, it wasn't, right. it wasn't even close to professional sounding. But yeah, uh, you know, it, it gives you the little time, a little way to time yourself to keep to keep the tempo. So that's how I started out. Uh, I started. I had a few friends that, like, I had a buddy that played bass and, uh, and you know, another person that played keyboard, and, and uh, we get together and, and tried to do music. But, uh-huh, you jammed a little bit. Yeah, we tried to do some original stuff. Um, when I first got the guitar, I had a, a drummer that was my best friend. Ronnie Rush was his name. Uh-huh. Uh, give a shout-out to Ronnie Rush. I don't think he'll be listening to this, but if he is... <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, so uh, him and I were... I'd take my guitar over his house, and his mom was always working, so we would jam, and he had a drum set. And that's kind of where I spent most of my time uh, learn, you know, cutting my teeth on trying to play guitar. Yeah. Um, and mostly metal stuff, like heavy, the heavier it was, the better it was back then. Right, right. And so uh, how long were you, you know, what was your transition to, you know, the kind of songs that you're doing now? Uh, um, just the need for something different, and... As you get older, you mature, and you realize like the music you listen to when you're growing up isn't maybe maybe necessarily the music that's fitting for you or your creative style, and, and that's where you know I found I, I like progressive music. I like different music. I, I don't go on the radio unless it's like the top hits ever. You know, I, I'm I'm the guy sure. looking for the stuff that's deep in the cracks. You know, yeah. Trying. So it's always been like that, and I really got into listening to. Uh, like North American Canadian music, you know, and just stuff that's different, uh, you know, uh, Death Cab for Cutie, like alternative right. indie music. It's, it was because it's so involved. There's so many instruments in that they, they can use, you know, you can use a harpsichord, you could use. Yeah. And, that, and I kind of do that a lot with my music, too. I kind of just throw in all kinds of different instruments, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Right, and so um, this this original... Um, method you had of taking a Casio and putting uh, um, a backbeat to whatever you're playing and recording that. 
that has kind of developed into what you do now where I don't know what, uh, what do you use, like Pro Tools or something um, like that I, to kind of incorporate different sounds and stuff onto I into a song? Logic a lot of times, uh-huh. but I'm finding that as, uh, as things are changing, that I don't really need Logic except for if I'm mastering something. Other than that, I use uh, GarageBand on my iPad a lot because it's, it's, it's portable. Uh, a lot of different inputs I can use for it. So I can plug all my equipment right into that. And that's where I do a lot of the recording. Oh, okay. So GarageBand is a, a good system for being able to do that. Yeah. And other than guitar, do you still play keyboard? Uh, yeah, I actually do. Uh-huh. I've had a couple of them recently. Uh, I've got a Roland uh, FA0, or uh, Roland F- Phantom 06. It's one of the newer ones that just came out. Yeah. Uh, I was looking for something that, I, a workstation that I could do a lot of it myself. Right. And I'm working on producing an album of jazz music right now. Uh, I've got um, three jazz songs, just an EP that I'm working on, hoping to release before the fall. Cool. What uh, uh, Have you pr- uh, re- actually released any albums in the past or any songs in the past? Not officially. No, I've, I've just put a bunch of songs together and played them for my friends. Yeah, mostly, yeah. So. But so you have, you've created songs and put them into a kind of a final form, but you haven't actually... Uh, put them out or right. you know, publish them or whatever. So have you uh, gone to the extent of trying to figure out how to, how to do that? You know, like I'm working on it. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think I've got, I see, I think the biggest problem with the way I write music is like, I'm, I'm constantly trying to come up with something new and by, and, and changing the recording process and to try to make it better. So I think what I'm running into is I get one song, I like it a lot, and then I change the technology, and I'm like, oh, this is so much better. <laughs> but now this isn't as good enough as the first song, so I can't make an album because they don't sound enough hey, like oh, each other. Oh, it sounds like too different. So oh, funny. I got to stop myself and just like maybe just work with the same equipment for three, four songs, five songs, <laughs> you know, and then. Right. Well, you like the you like the technology too much. You like the toys too much. I do. You're always <laughs> <laughs> buying and selling, you know, new equipment and and, uh, and, and, you know, getting all excited about it and finding new stuff. And, I do. Uh, I do. Do you, uh, so you haven't uh, actually issued any songs. And so do you have, did you say you had 30 songs actually recorded that you've done? Probably close to that. Yeah, it's probably real close to that. If not more, I mean, if you want to count some of the old archives that, you know, I've got, but complete songs, probably 30, 40 songs somewhere in there. Wow. That's yeah. That's pretty wild. And the, do they all contain lyrics in addition to music, or are some of them just instrumentals? There are some that have lyrics and some that are instrumental. Uh, I've actually, what I would really like to do for a living, I mean, ultimately, that is maybe write music, music for commercials. Or, oh, uh-huh. or, um, right. you know, or uh, the beginning of a radio show, you know, just an introduction. And there or, you go, yeah. Uh, you know, some, some for advertisement I've always really kind of, as I'm getting older, looking at maybe possibilities in that area. Um, Have you um, had those opportunities before? Just a few times. I've, yeah. I've done an introduction song for uh, friends of ours, uh, uh, Edgar Wilbury, uh-huh. for his show, and uh, and it was a song I wrote called "Dude," which was dedicated to his co-host, oh, Dylan, yeah. Dylan the Dude. So that was uh, pretty cool that uh, I got to do that. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. And I, you had also uh, done a song for a, a movie soundtrack at one point. I did. That was uh, Girls of Summer, um, and actually it didn't get in the movie. It was something that I had shown to uh, to the producer uh, a little too late. They already kind of had the music picked out. Uh-huh. It's like it would have been great, but you know, sorry you missed the boat. So um, it, I didn't I didn't get the music in there, but I was able to get a credit on the movie. Uh, oh really? Wow! I was helping out with some with some of my sound equipment, uh, procuring it for the for the set. Right. But just a small. Little thing I did, they gave me credit, so I really appreciate that. That it's was so, nice. So nice, yeah. for, so nice of them to do that. So you, um, in addition to uh, creating music and uh, writing songs and stuff like that, you have also been in the um, industry in terms of uh, handling sound. And uh, I know that you used to do things like the Acorn Theater and uh, different places, and you know, private parties and uh, DJing and. Uh, and just providing, you know, sound equipment and doing the sound for, for shows and stuff like that. How did how did that get started? You know, how did you get? Uh, that was started from two friends of mine, Ron and Marty Spears. Oh yeah, uh, such great people. Oh my god, Ron Spears has been on the show a couple times. Ron and Marge, they they're lovely people. 
uh, I was at an, I was at a radio show actually with where I met them, uh-huh. uh, and there and I was passing out flyers that day. I'm, I'm starting to do sound with the very little equipment that I had saved up money for, and I was wanting to do like DJ parties or uh, maybe maybe like an acoustic set with a guitar and, and whatnot. H- had you done it before, or you just the first thing that you did was make a flyer, but like you hadn't actually done that kind of work before. I was jumping in the water head first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I wasn't any dummy to it because of just experience in the studio. Yeah. And yeah, I really never, I, I, but I knew I could do it. I just knew that. Yeah. Because it's, you're applying basically the same thing into a life situation, then learning the differences. So, uh-huh. uh, so it took a little, little bit of learning, uh, but it came, it, it came pretty quick. I was very, very fortunate to pick up on it pretty quick. Yeah. And so through uh, the Spears, you were able to get a, a regular gig? They introduced me to Sandra Thompson at the Acorn Theater, oh, and they yeah. were looking for a sound guy. Uh, so they put me on, I think it was like one show a month to start with, or two shows a month. Uh, uh, learning from uh, Jason was another sound tick at the time, and he, he kind of helped me learn the equipment. And from there, I, I just... Uh, I, I just kind of went my own direction and, and like, well, this is how it's supposed to sound. <laughs> I didn't really uh-huh. have any technical training or college for, for running, uh, to be a, a sound engineer. But you're an, you're an engineer by, uh, training, by education, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like, um, uh, engineering sound was going to be that great of a difference. You were still able to apply similar, um, theories and technologies that you'd learned in school. So it wasn't, too far of a stretch somewhat it's it is different like than it's not like you were a race car driver and then you were being asked to handle a soundboard you know (laughs) (laughs) uh well you know being as a carpenter and yeah (laughs) construction management and going to the soundboard so it It was a little bit of a it was a little bit of a curve yeah Uh but it was something i loved so much that i had a passion for uh-huh. And I, I just wanted to, if anybody's seen me any of the shows that I did, they'll see me walking around with an iPad out in the crowd just trying to get the sound like absolutely perfect. Yeah. Looking like a nut, but it, it's, it's just the way I did it. I, I, I wanted to be there in presence of the sound. And any change that happened, I want to make sure to balance that out as quickly as I could. Yeah. So that was, that was, uh, Acorn was, uh, a, a beautiful is a very beautiful venue. I should yeah. say it was, but my time there was was great. I mean, I had an extraordinary time, and then it came to the point where I thought maybe it was just time to move on, uh, and that's when I started out, bought my own equipment, and started to do sound. I see. Okay, so the equipment that they had at the Acorn is this. You had to learn how to use their equipment, but yes. then you developed your own, uh, your own kind of uh, approach to making sure that the sound sounded right. Yeah. So explain that. You know, I, I know that we've talked about this a little bit, but you talk about, you know, fifths and you talk about, um, you know, sounds bouncing off of each other and stuff like that. How, you know, what, what, what's the best way to, uh, uh, to set sound for a, a, an area like that, like a space like that? I've had so many engineers that have been trained through schooling that tell me that you have to, you have to follow this set of rules you know, and I honestly adjusted everything by my ear. Like uh-huh. I, I could hear whether the guitarist uh, is. Uh, uh, I'm trying to give an example here. Uh, I could hear each instrument individually all the time, while listening to it as a whole. So I could like pick it out, just like a hawk would look at it uh-huh. down and see prey. Yeah, uh, I could look. I could look around and actually uh, look at the guitarist and hear his sound, his complete sound, and look over at the drummer. Every every drum on his his drums by focusing on it, and if something wasn't present or it needed a little compression added to it or what it, whatever it would be, uh, if you're getting feedback, I could tell actually if it's feedback coming from a lower frequency or a higher frequency uh-huh. pretty well. So and know what range that was in to be able to cut the feedback. So learning the frequency range by ear is the only way I really learned how to, to do sound. I just learned by ear what each tone sounds like. Did you adopt any strategies when it came to certain types of bands? Like, you know, sometimes like a rock band, they'll have the, uh, they'll have the, the singer's voice loud and maybe the bass low. Or 
um, you know, different kinds of, of music, they'll, they'll emphasize different, different instruments based on uh, kind of what's more relevant to that music. Did you find yourself doing that? Did you keep those kinds of things in mind? Or um, were you know, really just like, well, this seems like it should sound louder and this one you know, should be in the background a little more? How did you make those decisions? A lot of times I would get hold of the artist's music before they came to the Acorn uh-huh. and I would listen to their albums and usually the most recent because they're going to want to sound like their most recent album oh. that they're presenting at, 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 you know, with what they're touring with. Uh, so that's how, uh, you know, like Brian Lubeck came to, the, to uh, the Acorn. The first time I met him was there. Brian Lubeck's been on this show he too. Sure Thanks to you, I know. Uh, well, he, <laughs> Just a, he's a shout out Such there. a great human, yeah, as, yeah. as he would say. Uh, yeah, he is. And he had some pretty cool uh, instruments as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. Although I want to say not as cool as your guitar. I don't know. <laughs> Brian's got a pretty cool guitar. <laughs> <laughs> so he was uh, helpful for you? Uh, well, I knew his music because I, I was a fan of his before he came there, before yeah. I met him. So I was like, well, I get to meet my, you know, yeah, like, how one fun. Of my guitar heroes, you know. <laughs> so uh, so I, I, that's why I was able to dial him in right away was because I was really familiar with his music. Um, like Jim Peter, it came there, and I knew like I had the March stuff, and and I knew some of his solo stuff, and um, and, and other artists. Uh, Andy McKee was another one that uh, that uh, right, you know, was somebody I listened to all the time. So you kind of rely on the uh, the direction that the producer of their prior albums had created, yes. but you're able to hear it and be able to try to match it in a live environment. That's what I try to do. I try to mimic it, what it would sound like if they were playing uh, a live recording, you know, like like a live room like we're in now, something that's not, they're not miking every instrument. So I'm trying to get it to sound, I guess, the best in, in, in a live environment. And each live environment changes. You know, you go yeah. to the acorn, you got this sound, you go out, outside, uh, you got a whole different way of, of getting everything dialed in outside. Right, so right. So and just making the sound the best they can. If I can't get them to sound the way the album did, I want to get them as close to the album as possible. Yeah. Um, and then I talk to the artists too. When I'm up there, I just joke with them. Yeah. And they love that. I and mean, they're like, oh, this guy's, you know, because. Personable. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they he'll, he'll, you know, somebody will say, like, I would like uh, this this much, uh, give me a little more blowing on my guitar, or, you know, and I, I listen to them. That's the yeah. thing. Listen to the artist. Don't go. I know better, you know. Right, the engineer, right. You know, the artist is, is there. You're there to make them sound good. If they want something, try it out first. If it sounds like, if it sounds terrible from the, then from, maybe they'll figure from, it from out. From the audience, then the good thing about it is you have sound. Sta- you have stage sound, which is, is your monitoring yeah. for the artist, and you have the house sound. You can make the house sound whatever you want it to sound like, and they don't know what it sounds like on stage. So <laughs> you can go like, "Yep, yes, sir, yes, sir." <laughs> but then you know, you, you, sometimes you save them in that way too. They may. They might just have a, a really bad idea of how they should be sounding. Yeah. And as long as... Uh, and that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many shows would you say you had uh, had done the sound for at the Acorn? Uh, I'm trying to do the math here. I would say f- like five a month for three and a half years. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of different uh, personalities that you dealt with over that long period of time. Yes. Yes. Some... Some are great to work with, and others are, are uh, challenges. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, everybody was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that Acorn does a lot of, uh, like, open mics. and Well, at least once a month, there's an open mic there. And then you have, you know, bands with, you know, five, six different musicians and, and a mic for each one or something like that. So that's got to be kind of hard to... to uh, you know, I, I, well, first of all, there's two different examples. So with an open mic, you've got people coming on stage one right after the other mm-hmm. and needing completely different setups, most likely. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you structure that? Do you do you like try to do it ahead of time and then keep a record of where you had their settings and then and then as soon as they go back up there, then then you you know you set their settings for them. Is that uh, it's, something it's, that you do as a in an open mic kind of situation? It's a combination of things. So you want to try, try to accommodate the artist and give them what they want when they're up there on stage. So we would have we would allow them to do like a, a sound check before we actually started for the night. And a lot of them, 
I would have to dial in on the fly because they're so different in between each artist that uh, I could save each scene, but I would just, just dial it on, on the fly when they come up. I, I watch them as they approach the stage. If there's five people, I know what instrument they're going to, then I'm, I'm getting that re those instruments ready. When they come on, if I have to make some fine adjustments, I just do them within probably 20, 30 seconds uh, into their song, if, uh -huh. if, if that even. I mean, usually it's all dialed in like 20, 30 seconds. Right, right. I got gotcha. you. And then so when it comes to like a stage full of people and having the mics on and having the, the, um, uh, the connections for their particular instrument, that's some, something you do over uh, uh, the sound check and that kind of thing. Yeah, if you can. I mean, there's times that people come in for open mic and they, they come late and we still put them up there. So it's, it's, it's a dial on the fly is a lot of times, you know, and you're fighting feedback sometimes too uh, mm -hmm. and just odd sounds out there. So, you know, honestly, it's just learning to be able to, learning to, be able to listen for those those nuances and then changing them to what they need to be changed to, you know, as quick as you can. Right. Right. How long did it take you to get used to like the equipment at the acorn? Cause it's the equipment there has got to be different from equipment at other places and the equipment that you had at home and, and knowing which, um, you know, which lever controls, which mic or, uh, which, you know, which, um, which instrument and things like that. Uh, I, do you have it labeled or do you just kind of remember which you, one is which you do label yes yes uh some of the boards have a little scratch uh thing it's called like a scratch view where you can put you can list what that each track is so you oh uh -huh. and you, depending on the engineer you would pick your own setup so like i would start off with all the drums uh you know like start with channel one with the bass drum uh the kick drum and then go to snare uh, and then Tom 1, Tom 2, Tom 3. So yeah, there's an order to all that that I have memorized. Uh -huh. And it's easy for me to know what channel is, is to what after that. So uh, even if even if I don't have a uh, have a scratch on there to where you can see what it is, I know what it is just from that, – because that's normally what I put in that channel. So does the same channel always control the same uh, outlet? Or are you able to get up there and be like, okay, well, that that mic over there, that used to be – on channel one and i'm mm -hmm. i'm more comfortable using it on channel eight that's a possibility on some boards uh, a lot of the analog boards you're stuck with whatever channel right you, yeah, I so would imagine. digital boards you can actually uh in, in the signal chain you can change where you want the input to be and the output to be for any channel yeah uh, so they're pretty they're pretty amazing the, the the level of the equipment has gotten to these days uh, what they can do with it you can assign any channel to any any input channel to any output channel on most boards. Uh, you've got subs. You can assign anything to subs and, and so on and so on. And same with the effects. You generally have between four and eight effects for the board, and you can route those to any one of those channels at any time with any level. So, Have you been doing any of the sound uh, engineering lately or just kind of uh, that's that's in the past? Uh, I did sound for Edgar Wilbury experience uh, oh, yeah. for, I think, four years it was, something like that. And oh, then wow. Some kind of, some odd events, but he was he, his band was the last band that I did sound for. And if I were to, go, were to go back to the sound, I would probably do it just for him because I have a lot of fun working with those guys. Yeah. Like COVID hit, and I just bought like $15,000 worth of equipment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just nuts. And, I, and we, were, we were all set up for the next year, and then uh, I we didn't do anything that, that year. You know, oh, right, hit. right. So I'm sitting on all this equipment going, well, I've got to do something here. So I decided, well, I want to do actually do an album. I'm going to use this money to sell this equipment and buy stuff at the studio. Oh, okay. So you and converted I, it to more of a recording studio. I did. from a. Yeah. Ah, so you set up a recording studio in your house? Yeah, yep. Uh, we moved, moved during the COVID. We ended up with big, living in a bigger place. Yeah. Uh, put some sound insulation up. Um, got some new mics and just, uh, you know, just uh, got all set up. Got, I used the money to get a new guitar because you need something better quality for the studio. Is that the one you got here today? That one I've had for quite a while. Actually, I've just kind of held on to that thing for probably 10 years or so. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's... I mean, it looks like it's from outer space, so that's why <laughs> I didn't know when it was created. Yeah, like By the way, we're uh, we're talking to Brian Barber here. He's a uh, a musician and sound engineer as hobbies, and then of course, you know, he's a building contractor and is in his uh, for his day job. But 
this is this is your love. This is what you like to do. It is. Figure this stuff out. Think about it. Uh, yeah. So tell me more about your uh, home studio. What what kind of things have you been doing there? Uh, well, like I said, we just got the new workstation, so that that was a big addition to oh, the studio. Yeah. So you can get any times what, what they have now. The simulations of drum sounds, violin, uh, even saxophone. You can get so close. To what an actual sax sounds like. sounds like that. It's really hard to tell the difference. <laughs> Even like, you know, the spit dropping on the floor kind of uh, sounds? Quite or? possible. <laughs> uh, and you can also, like, save your own sounds and put and program into the, oh, yeah? the keys and stuff that are on there. So you can trigger it at any time in any key. So there's just, like, a lot of stuff you can do with that uh, as far as creation goes. Um, I've been, I was using... So you call that a workstation when you're... Um, so it, does it look like a keyboard? Like a workstation kind of looks like it a keyboard? It looks like or? a keyboard. It has like pads, like drum pads on it where you can tap out drums. Oh, uh-huh. And it also yeah. has uh, a full uh, 30, I think 32 channel uh, um, a mixer. Oh, okay. So you can actually wow. save sounds on there and, and play them while you're, you can record and play on, on the keyboard itself. Right, the right. workstation itself. So it allows you to kind of set a stage and set everything up on there now and, and, and arrange a song and then kind of put it, then kind of record it and add, add things to it. So it's kind of... You um, build and build on it. Yeah, kind of. it's allowed me to create a basis of what I want a song to be right. and work from there. So when you, uh, when you create your own music using this, do you, uh, do you, what am I trying to say here? Do you build onto stuff that you've already created like you'll make a track and then play play along with that track and adding more sounds and more music to that track until you get like you know exactly that's okay. exactly how it goes yeah. it starts off with with uh sometimes a drum beat and a guitar riff and then i may throw some violin in and uh-huh. throw, throw bass guitar uh, or you know, or some or whatever that that sounds uh, sounds good at the time, you know. Where, and then, and you don't you don't have to keep that in there. And the thing about the workstation that's really nice is you can dial in a sound on the fly. So, for example, if you record one track and you record it as a piano, and you don't like the way that piano sounds, you can play it back as long as it's still on the workstation. Yeah. You hit play, listen to it, and change the instrument as you're listening to it. So you can. Like, oh wow! As though so, then it would change it to. You know, all the keystrokes or whatever you did would then you could have it sound like a saxophone or a trombone or um, and, guitar or whatever. In theory, if it was perfect, it would work that way. Uh-huh. But you can usually get it to sound like a similar instrument. Like if you're oh, playing okay. a piano, you can get it to sound like an electric piano. Right, right. If you're playing a synth, you can get it to sound like a different type of synth. Yeah. Now, you could you could essentially assign a, uh, a saxophone to that, but you're not going to get the, the, yeah. the way that the, the style that the saxophone is played by the by blowing through it, you're not going to get that feeling unless you create it in the saxophone. Uh, okay. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, how many, some of your song, you know, uh, do, can you think of any particular song where you have, you know, kind of an excessive amount of instruments or tracks on that song? Uh, Are there anywhere you've been like, Oh, I think I want to have a saxophone. Oh, and uh, I think how about that, a tuba on this one. And like, you just keep adding and adding. Well, that one's so new that I haven't, done that yet but i'm trying to really restrain from doing that <laughs> it, it gets you know it gets crowded and this gets a little silly i'm and sure this friend of mine says it's like almost inbred sounding it's, <laughs> uh, because you just i mean you get hold of that you're like oh yeah i want to throw every instrument i can't hear and see what it sounds like yeah uh but i'm trying to really hold back from doing that and make it sound clean and uh be real selective on what i pick to, yeah to yeah. play her up well, uh, do you have anything that you've created recently that you, that you want to play? I do. I've got uh, I've got a jazz song that actually is going to go on the album. It's it's pretty much close to finish. This is really like the, the final stage of the demo uh, called Unfazed. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, play it through the microphone if that's okay. Terrific. If I was going to say we could we could pause everything and uh, set it up, but uh, if you've already got it ready to go, then let's do it. Let's, what's what's the song? The song is called Unfazed. All right. Yep.
That was great. Thank you. So uh, you did that recently? That was my most recent song, uh, and you can hear a lot of the workstation in there. You've got you know, the drums, you've got the bass guitar, you've got the raindrops in the background. Yeah. Um, and electric piano and violin, so you've got a lot going on. And there. then you played your guitar over it? Yes. So uh, did you, which part did you do first, and then you know, how did you construct it? Uh, I started off with just t- tapping out a beat, so I'm just I had this rhythm in my head, and I started tapping it out on the keys. Um, and it's it's, it's uh, sensitive to your tap too, so like you can play it like a real drum. If uh-huh. you tap it light, you're gonna get the sound of a light tap on a, on a snare. If you tap it hard, you're gonna get the bounce, you know, in the real heavy. Yeah. Beat. And even a rim shot, same That's way. That's so, so cool. Yeah, it's really neat how they can do that now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really like so. When I was tapping out the drums, I was learning it, and it has a sequencer also. So I use a sequencer to clean up the drums after I'm done. Uh huh. Well, so what do you mean by that? What it is, it's uh, it has. Uh, I'm trying to think how many channels. 16 channels. Uh, sorry, 16 increments. So each beat, 16 increments will be a complete measure, I think. I hope I got that right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, the, the, the way I relate to it is each, each one can, can harbor one sound from the drum, each, each, okay. each increment. Okay. Um, and you, can, you can do a late hit and an early hit, too, uh, if you work it in there. And, but when you when you each increment can be its own velocity, which means that it can be a soft hit or it can be a louder hit. So if you're doing like a, a hi hat, you're gonna get that yeah, that two different types of of hits. Right. So when I sequenced it, I just did a lighter velocity on one hit and then a heavier velocity on on the second hit. So it kind of gives that like it's riding a hi hat. Yeah, yeah. Do are you able to, you know, do multiple tracks of different drums? Yes. So you can, and how many different, um, uh, you know, instruments can you incorporate into a single song? You can do uh, on one scene, which is like basically creating one song. You can do. Th- I, I, I guess I should 16. say in each moment, how many different things could be going on at each moment? Because I, you could always sixteen. You know, okay, yeah. all right, I got you. Wow, and so you, so you start out with the drums. You sort of tapped out a beat, and then you know how did you build off of that? So after that, I I I, I threw a bass line in, and and from that bass line, I, I, I felt this. Uh, I got this melody in my head, and did you develop the bass line on a keyboard kind of thing, or did same, you same use thing a, on the workstation? I just tapped it yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just really didn't even have an idea for the melody of the bass line. I just like, oh, this sounds cool with the drums, so I just did that and. From there, uh, I, I started layering it with some violins and stuff, and I'm like, "Wow, okay, that's you know." So it's just really kind of building, and, and when I don't like something, I just erase and start over again. You know, yeah. like erase part of that part and redo it again. So uh-huh. it kind of opens like a flower, I guess. You know, it starts off with a little yeah. bud and just kind of blossoms as you go. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you added uh, guitar, and um, so you played your guitar at that point. Yes. So you had this this, uh, you know, background kind of, uh, instrumental, and then you were able to play your guitar on top of that. Yes. Yeah. Did you, are you going to, um, add any vocals to that one? That does not have vocals. Uh, I've got a few more songs that I could play for you today if you'd like. Yeah. Let's, so what was that one called again? That was called Unfazed. All right. Uh, and how did you come up with it? You know, what was, how did you write these these various songs? I mean, are these things that just come to you and then you just like, well, I better get that down. Uh, or or do you develop them as you're going? You know how how do you do your your writing? Like any artist, I, I think that or like most artists, it's life experience that you 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 um, endure, or uh, or you're, you're like a happy moment, or uh, maybe you went through a bad breakup and you write a song for that, or just see other people that are in life that are going through something, and going wow, that's like a story. So. It's kind of like a, I'll get a story in my head of, of a situation, and then I'll like I want to write the song about this story, and it might not be exactly about what happened in real life, but it, it's just an idea that's put in my head, and, and I, I, I come up with the lyrics based on the story. Uh, usually, the melody comes to me first, and I record that, and then then I'll throw the lyrics. I write the lyrics to the melody. Yeah, put the story I story to a melody. Right, right. Uh, <clears throat> Do you find that the um, the the lyrics um, are things that you've you know experienced in life, or you know where are you getting the source of your uh, your, your the stories for your lyrics? 
the stories are coming from uh, like like I said, it's for well, for example, that the first song "Life" was just a uh, just a situation where an average person may may have a relationship with somebody, and it just didn't work out, and you break up, and some people are usually like one of them's upset, and, and or both were upset because it didn't work out, or for one, one reason or another. But that song was called "Life," and it's about just the fact that you can just move on into the next stage of life. And, you know, that's what that person did in that song was they were just like, um, it didn't work out. You're a good person. We're just moving on. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, so it's just a, you know, just, that's, I, the stories come from anywhere, really. I just. Uh, right. Not necessarily based on your real life experience. No, but not, just, not always. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, w- you want to play another song? Sure. We can do, uh, let's do, are we allowed to do. Uh, cover tunes, but uh, the jazz versions of the cover tunes? I think so. Okay. Let's do it. We'll save that one for later, though. I want to do one with lyrics right now, if that's okay. Okay, sounds good. Uh, this is probably my second or third newest song. It's called Life in Shadows, and I'm actually singing on here. Okay, Brian Barber, Life in Shadows. You know, I heard that one the other night when you played it. Uh, oh, when yeah, we were out, yeah. And I, I really like that song. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think I mean, you played it for a bunch of us, and we were all like, that's you, Brian? Wow. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's really great. And it's a whole different kind of thing than, than the, some of the other jazzy kind of things yeah, that are instrumental. Yeah. Uh, 
so it sounds like you've got, you know, sort of a category like that where it's uh, with lyrics and stuff like that. And then there's more of the instrumental stuff that you've created before. Uh, are you so my well, are you going to have uh, your wife Anna sing with you? Because I, I know she's an outstanding singer. I've heard you guys also do karaoke. We do. And, and not just that you like to go out and uh, and do karaoke, but you have your own equipment and you set up and you sponsor karaoke like you did it the other night at uh, the local poor here in, in uh, Sawyer, Michigan. Right now, that's the only place that we're doing the karaoke at is at local poor. We may entertain other places, uh, but right now it's just once a month. Uh, it's fun. It's, I, good. it's great. I'm not comfortable getting time. up there, but uh, I did it and <laughs> made a fool of myself and all but. And you guys, you know, you really are good, good singers. And so oh, for I, you to get up there and, and do karaoke, it was, uh, it was really great. How did, you, uh, how did you discover karaoke? My wife. Yeah, Anna's yeah. a big fan. As you so, know, she's a, a Filipino woman, and uh, that's part of their culture. It's a big, big part of their culture. Yeah. They love uh, karaoke. And, and uh, being married to her, I had to love it, too. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it actually kind of grew on me. I didn't care for it at first. Yeah. Not that you had trouble singing, but I mean, because you were—you've been singing for a long time. Actually, I did. Yeah. Oh, you were yeah. uncomfortable well, getting up in front of people it's and singing. Totally different than you think <laughs> when it comes to you know, like you're sitting there playing your guitar and singing along with what you're strumming. Right. You're in control of that. You know, you're in control That's of true. that tempo, yeah. that rhythm. Uh, and that was my problem. It's like I was trying to follow the words, and, and, and the words uh, highlight as, as you're yeah singing, as you're singing. You're supposed to. A good karaoke setup for anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the way it should be, and I could not get it in time, and I, <laughs> I just uh, it's actually really helped me be a better singer. It's it's really right because it helps you with your tempo control, tempo, and just a range. Uh huh. I've tried so many songs that I wouldn't try normally. But yeah, there you go. Or even try like writing songs out of my range. I don't do that usually. Yeah. But why not? You know, it opened up that new. That new uh, area or that new level that that I could reach now, uh, it helps. It, yeah, it really does. That's uh, that's a lot of fun. Are you going to be doing more of the karaoke's at uh, each month? We we have one coming up on the seventeenth at local poor uh, this month. Oh, June seventeenth, a yep. Friday, June seventeenth. Cool. Yep. Yep. Uh, so anybody want to come out? We'd love to have. It was fun, and it was a oh, good yeah. crowd there and stuff. And local poor is a lot of fun. It, what they're, a great place. Yeah, they're they're really making a doing things great there. They are. It looks beautiful. They have a great wine tasting, the great cocktails. Yeah. It's just a nice place to go when you when you want to listen to some music on a on a warm day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh so um have you started doing any recording of other people, you know, with your recording studio? It seems like you're perfectly set up to help someone I, else uh not with the new one produce I have. a song and stuff. Not with the new one I haven't. In the, in the past, I've done a recording for Ron Spears uh-huh. um, and a few other people that are in, in the area. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and for the, actually, I've done it for the School of American Music. I did some, some events where we had some private recording sessions in, in a church, a couple of churches that I recorded. Uh, so, I, I'm going to be doing more of that as, as the year goes on. I'm going to start to get a clientele coming in doing recording on a regular basis. That sounds so, great. You know, if there's anybody out there that's looking for, you know, a sound engineer, to, to record you, look me up. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got the, the background, you've done it for yourself a lot of times. And, uh, with the sound recording, you know, the live sound, the live sound engineering, mm-hmm. um, seems like you're, perfectly set up to do that kind of stuff it's a passion i have uh that i'll never i think i'll, I'll die doing this I, yeah i, I really do I, in some form or another I've, I've always wanted to stay in music well let's close out uh we're talking to brian barber here and you're listening to johnny secret stash i'm john goldman and we're on radio harbor country wrhc 106.7 fm out of three oaks michigan and uh wrhz 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Uh, we are underwritten by uh, Kara's Cottages. And uh, Kara's Cottages are, uh, well, they're one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. And uh, they're within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and beautiful walking trails. Additional information is available at karascottages.com. That's Kara's and Cottages with a K. 
All right, Brian, what are you going to close us out with? I'm going to close us out with a cover tune of uh, U2's One. It's a, it's a jazz version, and it's still, it's still rough. It's still, I pull it right from the, the studio archive, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, finalize it here eventually, and then I have to, of course, buy the rights you know, <laughs> to use it on, on an album. So, uh, But, yeah, let's, let's give it a listen and, and hope you guys enjoy it. All right, here we go. I appreciate you having me, Johnny. It's yeah, great. this is great. I'm glad you could uh, be on the show. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thank you. 